Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Proverbs chapter 17. I want to speak to you from a subject that's bigger than I am and perhaps bigger than most here tonight, if not all. But let's just ask the Lord to come along beside all of us and uh, let His presence and His Spirit just touch our heart. The book of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 17 Solomon says, The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. I want to, with the help of the Lord this evening, talk to you about the ministry of mercy. The ministry of mercy. I... I've needed a, a lot of mercy in my life. I need it every day. I need His mercy every day. And uh, so no matter how many times you've heard somebody talk about mercy, let's talk about it again. Because we need the presence of God to help us understand what a broken world we live in. What a very fragmented, broken world we live in. And uh, it's very, very easy to lose track and sight of what the main goal should be for all of us. And so let's just ask the Lord to touch us. You can be seated and let's just ask God to minister his word to our lives today. We live in a, in a world where uh, we're exposed to so many things. Of course, technology has certainly made the world small. World events make their way to our uh, home and our lives in mere seconds, if not moments, that uh, the whole world can be covered with news in just a, just a flash. And uh, so technology has certainly decreased the size of the world, so to speak. And uh, so we not only hear about trouble at home or trouble in our own community or our own uh, cities, but we are consistently connected to a world that is troubled. And, uh, and so because of that, it is very easy to, to get calloused and indifferent to the things that are, that are happening. Uh, the very first few moments of any newscast will be about robberies and murders and rape, and, and it just goes on and on from one to the other, from one to the other, from one to the other, and it's dizzying to say the least, that we think about all of these things that are going on, we're just bombarded with news of tragedy and violence and suffering, and and um, it's not 
necessarily that it may be happening on our doorstep, but we are no longer living in a vacuum. And so it is right here, the news of that at least. And so living normally in an environment such as this can cause us to lose our sensitivity to situations around us. It truly can, to the very best of us. We're just overexposed to uh, the crisis of life. Just a few weeks ago, of course, the Big Bend area of Florida was decimated by Hurricane Michael. And, and uh, as a state, of course, and, and fellow citizens of the state of Florida, we have been very concerned as a church. We have done everything within our power at this point, and that is just merely to send uh, some money to, for resources and things of that nature. And, and, of course, if opportunity presents itself, we'll be more involved than uh, on a different level as time moves forward. But nevertheless, I was somewhat surprised yesterday to uh, read a post on Facebook by a friend of mine that I went to school with, and uh, she lives there, and she was talking about how many of the mainstream media outlets are leaving the area. And their concern, of course, uh, is that they don't want the rest of America to forget their plight. Now, I don't know this to be true. I'm just telling you, it was on Facebook. It has to be fairly accurate. <laughs> no, I do trust the source of my friend enough to even mention this. But, but uh, I, I just do want to run that little disclaimer. But nevertheless, who would think, if in fact this is true, who would think that just this few days after people's lives have been upended for maybe even years to come, that it's no longer news, no longer news to some degree. And so I've often said that no matter what today's headlines are, it will soon be swallowed up by tomorrow's headlines because something else will come and it will garner the attention. And um, I'm just using that as an illustration, of course, I certainly do not believe that these people are going to be totally forgotten. But I do know that in 2004, some 14 years ago, Florida suffered multiple hurricanes in just a six-week period, Hurricane Charlie, Francis, Ivan, and Jean. And uh, within those six weeks, people's lives were uh, completely in the state of Florida. Uh, two of those hurricanes, I believe, uh, Francis and Jean, took nearly the same path. And so it, it was, it was, there was a tremendous amount of devastation. And, uh, and it seemed as though that those that were affected by Charlie were nearly forgotten because they got swallowed up in all of the other crisis around them. And I know that firsthand because my in-laws, of course, were involved and lost almost everything, if not everything they had in the first storm. And uh, that's not sour grapes. I'm just talking about things that you live out that after a while... You can't find much mercy because there's too much other stuff going on around and people have already grown indifferent to those kind of things. That, that just seems to be the ebb and flow of life. So storms in life, whether they are literal or spiritual, have an effect on us. And if we're not careful, we can get indifferent in our hearts and, uh, and in our own lives toward the lives of people around us. Because in truth, we, we live in a pretty cruel world. I know we've often talked about how cruel children can be, but some children never grow out of that cruelty. We live in a very cruel world. And as a result, you can find pretty rigid people almost in every body of, of, of 
of uh, people. Unfortunately, that hardness of, of uh, heart and that indifference toward can breed a spirit of cynicism in people's heart and lives. And so we just have to be careful to understand as born-again believers the power of mercy. We all need mercy. I don't know if this is you find this appropriate or inappropriate, but in recent days I've just thought about how uh, through the years, I've observed how sometimes people want you to be really, really merciful when it comes to them, but very, very judgmental or whatever when it comes to others. That uh, they think you ought to deal with their situation with a butter knife, but with other everybody else's situation with a machete. And that's just the nature of man. Somebody ought to do something about that. Somebody ought to just nip that in the bud. But yet, when we are involved in it, we understand the delicacies and the intricacies that are in that are at play here. And so it's very, very important that, that we don't allow that spirit of cynicism to be born in our heart. In our text this evening, Solomon said, the merciful man doeth good to his own soul. Adam Clark's commentary makes this comment about that particular passage of Scripture. He says, no one can show an act of mercy without benefiting to his own soul and improving his own moral feelings. And, and if you have ever extended a hand of mercy to someone, you went to minister to them, but in fact, that act of mercy ministered to you. And so you can't, a merciful man doeth good to his own soul because you can't act out of kindness towards someone else without that not flowing back into your own life. And so in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus himself said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That's a hope that we all hold out. And I believe that the Lord stands against and in total opposition to the harshness and the crudeness that we see in our society. Paul, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, Paul writes these words, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And so it's, it's really easy to read Ephesians 4 and 32, but it's another thing to live Ephesians 4 and 32. It's hard sometimes to follow that command of the Lord, but it's because it's easy to get indifferent. It's easy to just think, well, they deserve that. Amen. But you know, when a lifeguard swims out to a drowning victim, the last thing they need to be told is you shouldn't have swam past the rope. They probably figured that out by now that they've made a mistake. And so when a lifeguard gets to that person to be saved, the only thing that matters right now is getting them safely back to shore. And so we live in a world where people run aground and, and they make mistakes and, and uh, they need mercy. People need mercy. Jesus knew the value of mercy and, I, and, and it's a blessing, of course, to everybody. And so if we're honest with ourselves we all know that there are times that people, maybe certain people, but sometimes just people in general, can get under your skin. It's all right if you don't want to say amen to that, but I know we're all kind of made out of the same thing. Uh, we, me, maybe we don't want them to be under our skin, but they're just under our skin. And uh, they, there are people that can uh, th offend us or things about them offend us, or, and that can lead to a spirit of indifference toward them. We may at times even know that we shouldn't feel that way, but nevertheless, it's still there. We know inside that we should just forgive, forget, and move on. And yet we're trying to untangle that knot of forget and forgive and forget and move on. 
Often we hold things in our heart and our mind despite knowing that we shouldn't. And here's the, 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 the real sad situation at the end of all of that is that we are the ones that lose in that scenario. We are the ones that lose because if we don't show mercy, mercy cannot be shown to us. We control the gate valve of mercy in our lives. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, really needs no commentary, but the Bible says in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's awesome. Amen. If we could just stop right there, but he underlines it even further. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So forgiveness is not something we can sit on the table and think, I'll, I'll get around and decide later what I'm going to do with this. It's too important. We can't decide what we're going to do about that tomorrow because that's the gate valve of forgiveness in my own life. And so I have got to let the Spirit of God melt my heart, mend my, mend my wounds, do whatever it takes. Amen. Because when we show no mercy, we are the losers in the terms of God's mercy. And so this brings, of course, several questions to mind. Is it possible then to develop a merciful spirit? I think the answer to that is yes. I believe that God can help us develop a merciful spirit. He said in Galatians 6 and 1, if somebody is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thine own self, lest thou also be tempted. If we were to put that in shirt sleeve language, we would say it like this. When you find somebody that has fallen down, just remember that could be you. And ever how you want that to be handled, ever how you would like that to be dealt with, that's the spirit we should come along somebody else with and have a ministry of mercy. If the scriptures commanded me to be tenderhearted, if they command me to be kind, if the scripture commands me to be forgiven, how do I live that out? I believe that's something we've got to make a matter of prayer every day to help me to be sensitive to those that are around me. Sometimes, uh, sometimes just changing our perspective or looking at something from a different angle. Sometimes we can see something from where we're standing somebody else can't see that from where they're standing or vice versa and so sometimes we just have to change the viewpoint of which we're looking at something we get caught up in our own life and our own projects I don't know of anyone that is doesn't have more things to do than they have time to do it I mean that I, almost anybody that I know has more to do than they can possibly get done and they are running from daylight to dark and we can get caught up in our own life and our own way. So, so very, very easy to do that and it's hard to work out other things when we're so caught up in our own life. In the hustle of our busy lives, it's, it's very, very easy to look at people in the wrong light and to see them in the wrong light. This past Sunday afternoon, my wife and I I uh, had to make a, a very quick trip down to Central Florida uh, after church. It was only supposed to take us about two and a half hours uh, one way, and uh, we were doing well till we got on the interstate. So we had, about, we had about 30 or 40 minutes of smooth sailing, and at least a half dozen times before we got uh, from Alachua to the Turnpike, we were, we were sitting completely still in the inter on the interstate. And um, in that environment, it's very, very easy to see all those other people as being in your way. And they're holding you up. 
<laughs> now, I'm not suggesting that's what I was thinking at all. But it, but you can. You can just see if these people would just move out of the way, then we could all. But the truth of the matter is, is that where they were trying to get was just as important as where we were trying to get. We were all victims of the same set of circumstances. We never did figure out what those circumstances were. <laughs> but we were all victims of the same circumstances. We were all trying to go somewhere. And, it, and it's very, very easy to see people as in the way when they're really not in the way at all. They're just doing the best they can with what they have to work with as well. And, and it's easy to evaluate people in terms of whether or not they fit into our plans or whether they fit into our day. And I can assure you that for all of us on that interstate, nobody fit into each other's plans, that's for sure. It's difficult to see people as individually important and as valuable as God sees them. But I, I just back up from time to time. When we're in a crowded place, wherever that may be, a mall or something of that nature, where, where, where we are, with a lot of people are, there are times that it's very sobering me to, to me to just back up and think about souls. Souls. Wandering people. They're all headed somewhere. Many times at night, if we're on the interstate traveling and you just see all these cars, you just wonder, where are all these people going? Who are they? What are their names? Where do they live? What, what is their background? Do they know the Lord? Do they know, do they know about the power of what the Lord, the difference the Lord can make in their life? Amen. You see, God loves every one of those people. And I'm not just trying to bring a mushy message tonight. I just want to talk about how important mercy is in the full scheme of things. The Lord loves the prisoner and the homeless man just as much as he loves the attorney and the doctor. He doesn't see any race, creed, color, or social status. The Lord sees the heart of men and women. They're special in the eyes of God. The person that serves our meal, the cashier at the supermarket, the young man that may change your oil, all of those people are important in the eyes of God. They may be just a means to an end, in the full scheme of our lives, but the Lord sees their heart and their soul. And so no matter what their job title may be, they're important to the Lord. We can, many times have stood in crowded airports and, and that's, a, that's a wonderful place to look around and to just see the melting pot of life. And, and you see a mass of races. You see uh, all different kind of uh, ethnic cultures there. Some of them are well-dressed. Some of them are poorly dressed. Some are clean. Some not so clean. Some are young. Some are old. Some are loud. Some are quiet. In the full scheme of things, it's the makeup of life. Amen. But all of those people have a life. All of those people have a goal. All of those people have dreams. All of those people have families. They mean something to someone. I don't mean to sound morbid at all, but and I don't know why I'm talking about us traveling too much here tonight. But uh, several years ago, we were on the we were on the interstate, and uh, we came up on a wreck on Thanksgiving morning, and a family had been in a horrible, tragic one car accident, and um, they had traveled from Orlando up to Ocala to get their. Um, their grandmother out of a, an assisted living facility and sadly she was the person who lost their, their life, her life and, uh, and several other family members were just horribly, horribly injured and um, 
we were, it just happened right in front of us. We were just right there when, when the dust was still in the air, so to speak. And, and we were just standing there. And I just remember the little lady, she was just slumped over in the seat. And you, it was just very obvious that she had passed away. And, and, uh, and then the frantic crisis in that, of that situation, family members running around, a day that was supposed to be one of the most special days of the year had now just turned into one of the most horrific days of all time. And you're just thinking as all of these people are passing by, how much, how much traffic got backed up and, and, and all the things that went into that. But you see, for that family right there, nothing was more important. Nothing was more important. And that poor driver had a niece that was laying in the ditch and we never did find out if she lived or died. And, and, and all of this crisis and this chaos and, and, and it, it inconvenienced a lot of people, but to one family sitting side of the road, it was the most important thing that was going on. I, I hope that makes sense that somewhere, whether we ever come up on the reason or not, there are people that may be suffering through their worst day. And, and the last thing they need is somebody to dawn a black robe of judgment that doesn't even belong to us to begin with and point a finger and cast an opinion what they really need is somebody to come along with a ministry of mercy and just say you know I don't understand it I don't really have all the answers I may not even have an answer but I can be merciful everybody is special in the eyes of the Lord and and everybody is just as important as you and I and so we need to pray God help me to see people through your eyes help me to see people as you see them not to cast judgment upon them through the eyes of society or through the eyes of what I deem to be right and wrong, but help me to be sensitive to those that are around me. Seeing with God's, with God's eyes, what a very, very important thing to do. We've got to have the right perspective. We may have to adjust our perspective. We may have to adjust the angle. We may have to change uh, our own selves at times, but it will be worth whatever adjustment we make to be able to extend mercy into the lives of others. Amen. I think it's so important to, to value how other people feel. we got to develop a, a spirit of, of sensitivity to be sensitive to what people are going through. If we're able to, to empathize with others, we got to, in order to do that, we first have got to walk a mile in their shoes. We've got to put ourselves in their position to know where they are. I know it's easy to stand at a distance and pass judgment, of course, concerning certain situations. It's easy to tell somebody what they ought to do, especially if you've never been through it. Those seem to be the people with the most advice. But there's something about going through hard times yourself. It just kind of tempers the steel of your heart. It makes you a little less opinionated in most cases. There may be exceptions, but it makes you a little less that way. It gives you a different perspective. When you felt the pain, when you have suffered the loss, when you have endured a crushing blow of disappointment, your own self, it just... Maybe you haven't walked in that particular situation, but you've walked close enough to one like it to understand the shock and what that can do to your life. And so it's altogether different. Now, it's obvious that no one person can just encounter every little nuance of life. No one would ever have to go through everything, but we need to make an honest attempt at considering what would it be like if I was in that situation. 
And I, I speak with great deference to anybody that's in this audience tonight. But, but we need to put ourselves in the position and ask our own selves, what would it be like if we lost our job and we had bills that we couldn't pay and a family that we couldn't feed? Before we just cast judgment on somebody that's in that situation, where would we be? What would we do? How would that feel? How overwhelmed would that that mother or that father be? What would I do if that was me? What were what would I do if life took us or any of us to another continent where we didn't know the culture and we didn't know the language and we didn't understand everything that was going on around us? How would we handle ourselves if we were that person in that situation? How would it feel if we were the ones fighting through family disappointments and and uh, and and disillusions and struggling with the pain of that kind of of rejection how would you feel if it were us that lost our companion or to lose a child or to lose a parent what would we feel if we were going through that how do you suppose it would feel to be diagnosed with a terminal disease what would be going through our mind I'm, I'm not trying to be uh, silly here tonight I'm just saying that we should ask ourselves what must that feel like before we just stand back in our own insulated and isolated world and decide how we're going to minister to that. We need to understand the value of slipping into somebody else's skin and walking a few miles in their life, at least mentally. Walk a mile or two in their shoes to figure out what it must feel like. I believe once we do and sincerely do that, it would be so much easier to show compassion and extend understanding. Amen. When we feel what they feel, we might understand why they act that way or why they react that way. Amen. Understanding that's really all that people know. I've read this story many times through the years and from different resources and have probably used it more than once, but the story is told of a mother who sought from Napoleon a pardon for her son. The emperor said that it was the man's second offense and because of that, that justice, justice demanded his death. And the mother said, I am not asking you for justice. I am asking you for mercy. But the emperor said, he does not deserve mercy. Sir, cried the mother, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. And I am just asking you for mercy. It wouldn't be mercy if he deserved it to that the emperor said, then I will show mercy and the son was saved. I'm wondering how, how loud our voice could be heard through the ministry of mercy to plead. How many times did God literally change his mind because Moses and others were a ministry of mercy and they said, but God, but God, what about when no question Lot made the wrong decision, no question Lot had taken advantage of his uncle, no question on the table as to whether or not he had turned right when he have turned left, but Abraham stood and said, but Lord, but Lord, peradventure I can just find this, or that, or the other, just peradventure the ministry of mercy, a voice that just stood and said, these people need a mediator. They need somebody with mercy. Understanding and love and, and, and it requires of us not to just observe things from a distance. Amen. We have to have perspective but we, and we have to have compassion. We have to see and be sensitive to people's situations but, but we have to also at times stand up and do something. You've got to do something. And we can't fix every situation that presents itself, that's for sure. 
But we have to love the love people like the Lord loves us. I can do that. I can't fix everything, but I can sure have love. Amen. <clears throat> the passage of Ephesians says, Be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. In other words, we should treat others like the Lord's treated us. Titus 3 and 5, I want us to consider this. Titus 3 and 5, the Bible says, Not by works of righteousness which, have, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. It wasn't because of who we were. wasn't because of anything we had stockpiled up. But we were saved according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And sometimes, if I could just be forward here tonight, I think some people forget where they were when the Lord found them. Amen. Or at least they forget what they could have been or where they could have been had the Lord not intercepted them. And such were some of you, the writer says. And and as I've said many times, we can fold our arms and say in disgust, I wasn't that or I wasn't this. But we don't know what we would have been if mercy had not intercepted our lives. My wife and I have many times through the years have talked about what, where, where would we be if, if we hadn't come to the Lord when we came to the Lord? It's, just, it's a horrifying thing to, to just wonder where would, one, I wonder just what may have happened, what could have happened because we say that, not judgmentally, but we say that because we look around at other friends and family members who didn't make that decision and, and we see their lives and we think and there's, we're just foolish to think that couldn't be us. We're foolish to think that that couldn't be our lives and our family and our marriage and our children and so Lord, help me to realize that we are just saved by the mercy of God. It's just your mercy that has brought us to where we are. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Ephesians 2 and 4, the Bible says, But God, who is is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together by Christ. By grace ye are saved. So the Lord has always had time for us. He's always listened to us. And forgiveness has been made possible. Times that that we felt the presence of the Lord like tonight. I don't know how many here tonight think that you deserved what we have felt. But I sure didn't think I deserved what I felt. And I don't mean that in a self-deprecating way. I just... When I just think about the presence of the Lord that just at that 7.30 hour when the church service started, the presence of God that just filled this building, I thought, oh my, how I needed this. Oh, oh, how I needed this today. How I needed this right now. How I needed your spirit. How I needed your presence. How I needed your affirmation in my life. Amen. I'm not talking about feel-good moments for the sake of feel-good moments, but I'm just so thankful and appreciative that a moment ago, the Lord just walked up beside me and he put his arm around me and it made me understand that he has not forgotten me, that he is not, he doesn't not care for me. Amen. I'm, I'm not alone here tonight. Emma, the power of God's mercy. I, I felt God's mercy come along. I felt God's compassion come along. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Amen. If we are going to learn to show mercy, then it's going to be because we've learned how to love like the Lord loves. Amen. I just wonder what would happen if just in a moment of time, 
that we could truly be what the Lord wants us to be. Not for a moment, not for a service, not for a week, but to just the body of Christ. We're not excluded from the body of Christ. So I'm talking about us individually and in particular, but I wonder what would happen in the body of Christ if we could just be what God has called us to be. I believe the results would be extraordinary, really. I believe superficial relationships would in a matter of time just be strengthened to a solid foundation and we would be there to lean on. People would in fact see the church as a place where they can without any question find love and forgiveness and and it can be a refuge. Mercy meeting people's needs. Not simply a warm feeling towards somebody but, but, but mercy causes action. It causes you to to do something, to have mercy. In Luke 6 and 36, the Bible says, Jesus said, in fact, be ye therefore merciful as your Father is also merciful. Now, uh, to anybody here that's done any living at all, you have sense enough to know that there is some risk involved when you do what we're talking about here tonight. Sometimes we're, we're afraid we're going to get hurt if we just kind of love without reservation. If we just kind of show mercy and we open that gate that somehow we're going to be taken advantage of and, and chances are you will be. But you see the alternative, closing yourself off. I've met people, you've met people that have said this. Well, nobody else will ever get a chance to do that. And they lock down their heart. They lock down their compassion. So, well, you got me once, shame on you. But if you get me again, shame on me. So I'll just lock myself away in this box and I'll protect myself. And I'll tell you, dear one, you are doing anything but protecting yourself. C.S. Lewis addressed this fear well when he said, to love, at a, to love at all is to be vulnerable. To love at all. He went on to say, love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung, possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies, little luxuries avoid all entanglements lock it up in a safe in a casket or even the coffin he said of your selfishness but rest assured that in that casket that safe dark motionless airless place it will change your heart will not be broken because it will become unbreakable impenetrable and irredeemable The only place outside of heaven, he says, where you can be perfectly safe from all dangers of love is hell. Think about that. So there's a great danger in loving, but there's also a greater danger in not loving. You know, the last person I helped at all flop, the last person, you know, I I don't know through the years how many Bible studies my wife and I have given But I can tell you, we've given a lot of Bible studies to people who said, man, I see this. This is wonderful. 
and they walked away. But I'm not going to close my Bible. See, it's not my gospel I'm sharing. Is it painful? Yes. Is it disappointing? Yes, yes, yes. Does it hurt? Absolutely it hurts. But we're not going to lock the doors of the church and we're not going to shut down the ministries of our church. We're just going to keep pressing on because somebody else needs mercy. Amen. We've got to understand the value of keeping that bitterness out of our heart and not allowing ourselves to get indifferent because if we do, we are going to be the ones to pay ultimately the highest price when, amen. We'll never be able at some point to show mercy and we'll become those that are characterized by that. Amen. We need God's mercy. We need it. We need to extend mercy because we need mercy. Amen. We need it because other people need mercy. And we need it because Jesus is mercy personified. He is mercy. Remember this. When Jesus Christ hung on the cross... While on the cross, it's just almost hard to fathom in our human finite minds. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Forgive them. And so he didn't just talk about it, but he did it. Amen. He extended mercy to those who extended none to him. The ministry of mercy. What can we do for the Lord? Well, here's something. What can we do to impact our world? Well, here's something. How can we make a difference in the world in which we live? Here's something. Be merciful. Because you never know. I'm not talking about just investments here, but it is true. That when we shut off mercy for others, we shut off mercy for ourselves. I want to cast all the seeds of mercy I can ahead of me. Everything that I possibly can. Amen. Let's let's stand together and let's close our service with prayer and just ask God to touch us. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.